pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps stationed throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, including Daniel. To these satraps gave account, the satraps gave account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Soon Daniel distinguished himself above all other the presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to appoint him over the whole kingdom. So the presidents and the satraps tried to find grounds for complaint against Daniel in connection with the kingdom. But they could find no grounds for complaint or any corruption for, because he was faithful and no negligence or corruption could be found in him. The men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So the presidents and the satraps conspired and came to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the, uh, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce in it, um, an interdict. How do you say that word? Interdict, yes. That whoever prays to anyone, divine or human, for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the interdict and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document in the interdict. Although Daniel knew that this document had been signed, he continued to go to his house, which had windows in its upper room towards Jerusalem, and to get down on his knees three times a day and to pray to his God and praise him, just as he had done previously. The conspirators came and found Daniel praying and seeking mercy before his God, and then they approached the king concerning the interdict. O king, did you not sign an interdict? that anyone who prays to anyone divine or human within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions? The king answered, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. And the New Testament reading comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. May we be grateful for the hearing, the reading, and understanding of this word. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, the scriptures and for how you speak to us through them all these years later. We give you thanks for the opportunity to, to be in these sacred words, these inspired words. And Lord, we 
pray that you would continue to speak uh, to us this morning, continue to open our hearts and our eyes. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and speak in spite of me. In Jesus' name, amen. So the past few weeks, we've been talking a lot about um, mission as a church and, and what it looks like to, to be a church um, that is united in a mission and what it is that, that we are about and to not uh, get into the habit of just kind of going through the motions of doing church, but, but you know, being the church um, and, and living um, as disciples of Jesus Christ in the world um, and growing in our faith uh, together and journeying together. And if you haven't been here, um, our new mission statement as a church is this, and uh, once again, let's just say this together, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. This is, this is what we want to be about as a church, and all that we do is to, to strive to, to ask the question, how are we making disciples? And how are we growing as disciples ourselves? And that's kind of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is things that disciples do. What is it, if we're a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's great to say that we're going to make disciples, but what does it look like to actually be one uh, each and every day? And um, there's many ways that we can approach that. And, and one way um, is, is kind of what we've been talking about last week and this week in particular, because discipleship is, is just so important. It truly is something that we're called to be and called to do each and every day. A disciple really is someone who is a learner, someone who learns. So you can be disciple of many things. We can be learners of many things. But in particular, as Christians, we say we are disciples of Jesus Christ, that we seek to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and the witness to Jesus Christ in the world each and every day. So if we want to be about making disciples of Jesus Christ, again, we should strive to be healthy disciples ourselves. And in our tradition, we recognize that becoming a healthy disciple and becoming someone who looks more like Jesus is not something that's just going to accidentally happen. It's just not something that's just going to take place uh, randomly. But there are things that we must do and participate in in order to grow in our faith, in order to strengthen our faith. And as I've shared before, it's very similar to going to the gym. You know, you can go to the gym all day, every day, and talk and have coffee, but until you begin to actually work out, until you begin the discipline, uh, that's where uh, you begin to grow and to strengthen and to lift weights or whatever you're doing or walking. Um, that's when you begin to grow and to strengthen. And with discipleship, it's the same way, is that we need more than just Sunday morning at church, but a pattern, a lifestyle of part, uh, living out these holy habits that help us to grow and strengthen uh, in our faith. And so how do we do that? How do we become those healthy disciples, those growing disciples? And, and one way that we've looked at it is uh, to think about um, kind of a rule of life, as John Wesley would give the three general rules to the early Methodists. Um, a more contemporary version of that uh, for today is to adopt a rule of life for the congregation, a, a way that in which we say this is what it looks like to be a disciple. So if we want to make disciples, let's, let's, let's practice these habits that we're talking about. And um, you'll recognize this statement from the past couple of weeks, but we talked about how a rule of life is to say, 
Uh, a disciple is someone who witnesses to Jesus Christ in the world and follows his teachings through acts of compassion, justice, worship, and devotion. Worship and devotion are new on that statement today. Compassion and justice are two things we talked about last week. You can remember an act of compassion is something typically private that we do. So if I see someone on the streets uh, who is in need of a warm meal because they're hungry, an act of compassion would be to buy a meal for someone who's in need. An act of justice would then be to walk away and ask the question, uh, why are there hungry people on the streets in my community? What is something that, uh, that we can do uh, to help make sure that there's not people going without a meal? Uh, what do we need to do in the community? What, who do we need to talk to? Um, what are things we can do as a church? Those are acts of justice because it's not just about the one-time act, but it's about trying to alleviate that and to, to try to make sure we don't want to see hungry people on the streets anymore. Uh, so, so those are acts of compassion and justice, and today we're going to talk about acts of worship and devotion. So disciples um, are people who not only practice acts of compassion and justice, but a disciple is someone who practices acts of worship. Many of you, if you're here, may feel that it's important to be here and that this is meaningful to you to be uh, at church on Sunday mornings. I heard a story once of somebody who was talking about how important it was that they worshiped and that they were at church and, um, and somebody who was kind of skeptical, you know, was saying, you know, it's not really that important to go to church. Like, what's the big deal? Like, you know, uh, and they're like, well, it is. It's something I need. It's something that is important to me. I look forward to it. And, and the person who's skeptical responds and says, well, well, tell me, um, what was a, a song that you sang in church last Sunday that was meaningful to you? Uh, what was the scripture passage last Sunday in church? Do you remember? Uh, what was the sermon title? What was the sermon about? Do you remember the prayer requests that were lifted up or the praise reports? And the person is kind of like, eh, I, don't, I don't really know. And they're thinking about this in their minds. And um, they stopped for a minute and they looked at, back at the other person who was skeptical and said, um, let me ask you a question. What did you have for dinner last Wednesday? And the person said, well, I don't know. What would you have for breakfast? Oh, I don't know. What would you have for lunch? Did you have any snacks? And the person's like, I don't know. And they would say, well, is eating important to you? And the person said, well, absolutely, because without it, I wouldn't survive. And, but why can't you remember what you had if it's so important? The person's like, well, I don't know. And then they responded by saying, that's, that's worship for me. I may not be able to remember every moment of a song or every verse in a scripture. I, I, may, I may not remember exactly what the sermon was about, but I can tell you I needed to be there. And I can tell you that it was important to me. And I can tell you without it, I wouldn't be able to grow. I can't memorize every single thing. And maybe you feel like that, because I know I feel like that. And I know that there have been times where I've even had to go back and be like, have I done that scripture yet in a sermon? And I'll have to go back and look. And, and sometimes we don't remember every single thing. And when we talk about acts of worship, we talk about how important it is to be together as Christians. 
and what we do in the name of Jesus when we gather. It's not really known who wrote the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, but um, it's pretty obvious that the Jewish Christians are going through some persecution. And the writing here, the author is uh, trying to remind them to persevere in the midst of these persecutions, that, to keep moving forward. Um, even if other um, forms of persecution uh, come down the road. And in particular, in chapter 10 of the scripture that was read this morning, um, in verse 24 and 25, um, there's, there's conversation here, or the author is writing uh, to this community saying, do not neglect meeting together as, the habit, as in the habit of some. And the author is sharing, be together. Don't neglect meeting together as the church. Don't neglect that opportunity that God has given for us to be together and to worship together. And not neglecting to meet together can kind of paint a picture of, of why it's important as a body of believers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, to meet with each other, to be in worship together. And when we talk about disciples practicing acts of worship, that's what we're talking about. What are those things that we do together in the name of Jesus? And one of those things is right here, what we're doing this morning is, is being involved in a public worship um, setting. So if you remember a few weeks ago when I shared those general rules that John Wesley would give, uh, some of the things he would talk about in regards to what we would now call acts of worship are these. These are three things that we can do uh, to be together. The public worship of God, which is what we do this morning. The ministry of the word, whether read or expounded or explained. So um, hearing the word of God and, or, and uh, read and uh, hearing the word of God interpreted or taught. And then the supper of the Lord, which is Holy Communion. The sacrament of Holy Communion where we receive God's grace to participate in those things together. Those are three tangible ways that we can practice acts of worship. And notice, these are all things that we do together, not alone. It's worship. Acts of worship are things that we do to worship God with others. So yes, we can worship God alone. We can worship God while we're going for a walk, or we can worship God on the golf course, or we can worship God in the tree stand, or wherever else it is. But acts of public worship is important because there's a balance there. It's not just praising God alone, but it's praising God and lifting up the name of Jesus with other people. So to be a disciple who practices acts of worship is simply those, these things in particular and others that we do when we gather in the name of Jesus. And when we gather publicly on Sunday morning, we're reminded that we're not alone, that there are brothers and sisters in Christ who are here for us and around us. And we gather when we come into this place and we draw our attention to God, we we, we focus on God's presence with us. We hear a word read to us and taught to us. We ask the question, how is God calling me to respond to this word? And then we are sent out into the world to be witnesses of Jesus Christ in all the places that we go. Each week we are sent out. And another act of worship, not just public worship, but another act of worship that's huge for us as disciples is getting together outside of Sunday mornings and living in community with, with other Christians. Some may call them small group communities, being together with a group of people 
that we can get to know more deeply and that we can share with that we trust is so vital for our discipleship. Being able to, to leave the pews and to get into circles throughout the week somewhere and to just check in with each other and ask how we can be praying for each other and, and asking how our discipleship going. That can be so important for us. And I plant that seed into you today intentionally. And I want you to consider what it would look like for you to be in a group of five to six other people where you can journey together and check in with each other and learn about each other and to witness how important that is for your discipleship and to not realize what you were missing until you do that. And I'm going to talk more about that in a couple weeks, but I plant that seed in you now to consider that. What would that look like for you? So this is what we're talking about when we mention acts of worship. But another aspect of being a disciple is to not just practice acts of worship, of course, but to practice acts of devotion. So what does that look like? My seventh grade uh, geometry, or, um, geography teacher, Mrs. Baker, she lived on my grandmother, or a lot of my family live on a country road in Georgetown, and she lived on that road, and one of her sons went to school with my brother, so I remember learning about her, and she was just a very energetic uh, geography teacher in seventh grade. And I can still remember songs that she taught to memorize where countries were in, in Europe and all these things. And uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty profound to have some of those things still in you from seventh grade. And I remember as a kid uh, always seeing her power walking up and down the long country road in Georgetown. And she would get up early in the morning before school started and she would just power walk and she would walk and walk and walk and walk and just turn around and go all the way back down to the other side of the road. And she did that all the time. I have this memory of just, oh, there's Miss Baker again walking and there she is again. And just as I grew older, she just continued to do this over and over. It was like this habit that she developed um, in her life. And I don't know, it was a year or so ago, um, I had learned that one of her sons um, kind of tragically uh, died, and he was probably in his 30s or early 40s, and um, very soon after, maybe a day or two, I mean, it was, it had just happened. I was going down the road where my family lives, and sure enough, there's Miss Baker still walking, and um, all these years later, she still makes that habit, and as I rode past her, I remember just I couldn't imagine things that were going through her mind as she was just walking down the country road all alone. And uh, so I kind of, I don't even know if she knew I was at first. I just kind of waved and went like that. And I pulled over into a driveway and she turned around and was just broken. And we talked for a little bit. And to see her still and her, her um, growth in her own faith has been amazing as well, and I see her from time to time still. But, but it didn't surprise me that I saw her on that road, still walking after all those years. And it kind of reminded me of Daniel in the story that we read this morning. And Miss Baker, how she reminded me of Daniel, because the one thing I love about the story of Daniel is that he's someone who's practicing acts of devotion 
And it was that important to him to face Jerusalem three times a day and to get on his knees and to pray. That was something he did alone. That's something he did without others. That was just something he did. And he knew that it could get him tossed into the lion's den. And without the intervention of God, he would have been dead. But it was so important for him to practice that, that prayer each and every day. It's a good habit. It's a holy habit. It's one of those ways that Daniel um, devoted himself to God. And that's an example of an act of devotion. When we think of acts of devotion, that's what we're talking about, is whether family prayer or private prayer in particular. Searching the scriptures is another way to, to show acts of devotion, going through the Bible on your own. Or fasting uh, and abstinence. These are three of the things uh, Wesley, even in the 1800s or 1700s, would give to the early Methodists to think about and consider. But notice, these are all things, uh, for the most part, that we do alone. And we've talked about prayer before as a church, but we remind ourselves that prayer is vital for us as disciples of Jesus Christ. It's those moments where we listen for God's voice, where we give thanks to God, where we confess our sins to God, where we ask for forgiveness, and we take time in our prayer lives to be aware of the presence of God all around us, or as I've heard it said, practicing the presence of God everywhere we go, whether we're uh, in the car or whether we're at the grocery store or whether we're out in nature for a walk by ourselves, that we're practicing to be aware that God's presence is all around us and to live in this kind of attitude of prayer and thanksgiving. But another act of devotion is searching the Scripture, is reading the Bible, is to open the Scripture um, in our daily lives as people all alone, to, to, to be in the Bible, to read, to learn, to study things that, that you may not know about Scripture and other resources. But just as we would regularly open the newspaper or check our emails or check our text messages or social media, the pattern of going through the scriptures should be in that as well. How are we also taking time to, to read through scripture and to ask God to speak to us through it and making that a daily uh, priority for us? And of course, prayer and scripture can go together. Those are things that can happen in our acts of devotion all alone. When we're by ourselves, we can, we can pray and read scripture uh, in the same time. We can incorporate those together. And then, of course, there's uh, fasting, which is one that maybe isn't as, as popular or, or taught about as much. But when we fast, we, we take time to remember um, that this also is a gift of God. Uh, and, and Jesus taught his disciples uh, how to fast. And uh, John Wesley included fasting for most of his life, one day a week. I think it was sundown to sundown, maybe Thursday or Friday or something like that. But in those moments of fasting, we, we help to be more aware of our dependence on the good things that God has given to us and to draw closer to God, to fill ourselves with God in the midst of that hunger that we, we may be having. And it also reminds us um, that there are some people around the world when we fast, it reminds us that there are other people around the world uh, that are having this feeling and it's not their choice, is that they too um, struggle, but for us, it's more of a choice to fast than to draw closer to God. But for others, that's not, that's not their story. That's not their choice. And 
So that's one thing, and maybe some of you uh, here today practice that as a spiritual discipline, something you do alone. And it obviously is something you do do alone, and Scripture talks about how we don't even want to boast that we're fasting. You know, it's just something, it's internal, it's private, it's something you want, if if you want to do, um, that you do. Uh, But I would say if there's interest in fasting and you've never done that, um, um, some people do, you know, just bread and water for 24 hours or whatever it is, or just water. But I would say for you, um, of course, our bodies work differently. And um, from a practical level, uh, if fasting is something that you would incorporate into spiritual disciplines in your own life, um, for some of us, that might not be an option. And um, you, we need to talk to our doctors and things like that if those are routes that we want to take uh, with spiritual disciplines in regards to fasting. But this is the point. Acts of devotion are those private things that we do to draw closer to God. I don't know about you, but my day is different when I start off in Scripture and in prayer than it is when I don't start off in Scripture and in prayer. It can look a little different. It can be different. How are you, are you more prone to help somebody in need right after the service this morning than maybe you are Wednesday afternoon? And sometimes... If you're like me, the, the answer can be, yeah, I am more prone right after the service. Why? Well, because you've just been kind of fed. You've been encouraged. You've, been, uh, you've felt God's presence. But if we're not doing that on Wednesday, um, it can be easier to ignore those things. So you can see where acts of devotion every single day can help us to be people who show compassion in the world and to be those people who are aware of what God is up to in the world. So these are the four things that, that we talk about um, when we talk about discipleship. Being people who are showing compassion and justice and worship and devotion. And to illustrate this, an image that has helped me is an, uh, something called the Jerusalem cross. And you may have seen this uh, before. But this is a, um, or maybe it's a different cross. It's a different cross, obviously, than the one that's above the screen this morning. And there's a history behind the, the Jerusalem cross, but in essence, one of the stories of it is, is that the major cross represents Jesus. And then you see the four uh, smaller crosses uh, that could represent the gospels that tell the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But at any rate, I want to ask you to become familiar with this cross to come familiar with it for for a certain reason. Because this cross can be a great visual reminder for us to be people who live as disciples of Jesus Christ in the world. And when you see this cross, those four smaller crosses can remind you of the different acts that disciples of Jesus Christ have, which we've talked about in the last two weeks. A disciple is someone who shows acts of compassion, acts of justice, acts of worship, and acts of devotion. And you'll see that. And I want you to think about that and what that looks like. And that we remind ourselves each and every day that this is who I want to be as a disciple. And it also helps us to look at our own discipleship and say, where am I off balance? So maybe I'm someone who has no problem showing acts of compassion privately to other people throughout the week. If I see someone in need, I want to help them. If I see someone who looks like they're down, I want to encourage them. 
I have no problem with doing that. I'm, 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 I'm pretty good at doing that. I can do that. And then maybe you think, I'm also pretty good at acts of worship. I come to church every Sunday unless I'm sick or out of town. That's something publicly I do with other people. Absolutely. But when it comes to my acts of devotion, that private act of devotion, you know, there's sometimes where I go a whole week without even opening the Bible outside of Sunday mornings or I don't pray like I should. When it comes to acts of justice, maybe I think, that's just, that's just a little much for me. I don't even know where, where I would start. You know, I don't mind acts of compassion, but when it comes to the more broader places where we think about where justice is needed in our world, I don't know what I would do. But may, hey, maybe a small step is to support people who are doing that good work. I don't know. So think about that in your own discipleship. Where are you doing, where are you being healthy? And then maybe where are there some areas where we could use work by God's grace. But I want you to notice something in this. That the, the acts of compassion and acts of devotion on the left, these are all personal things that we do. These are private, personal things that we do. And then on the right are the public acts that we do. That's worship and acts of justice. So think about that. Um, Think about this image. Think about those four aspects of being a disciple and where we need um, to grow in our own journey. This discipline, the discipline of loving God through acts of worship and devotion, that's how we participate in a relationship with God. That's how we do it, through our faith. And then when we show acts of compassion and justice, we're doing it to the people God loves, who is everyone. So I ask you again, I get familiar with this, but for today, remember what we talked about, acts of worship and acts of devotion. How are we growing in our faith through our public worship together and through our private devotional life at home? And may we all be people who grow and continue to grow by God's grace through our faith when we're alone and when we're with others. Let's thank God for the church, for accountability, for small groups, and let us be people who continue to journey in this life of discipleship by being committed to make disciples, but also by being committed to grow in our own discipleship each and every day. Amen? Let us pray.